recently been up on the mountain and experienced the transfiguration of Jesus just short time ago this powerful mystical vision of his power and glory now that maybe is along the lines of what we were expecting from a messiah this this vision so bright and full of energy that they were driven to their faces glory and supernatural power we should build some booths up here so we can re- return and maybe you know have this experience again this is glory so what in the world can jesus mean about suffering and rejection and death where's the glory in that there is a dark that we shouldn't doubt there is a light don't let it go out Jesus and his disciples went on and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples. We are aware, as we've been following Jesus through the Gospel of Mark, that by now large crowds uh, are wanting to get near him. Uh, Perhaps it's related to the fact that just recently he had fed thousands of them with a little bit of bread and a couple of fish. Jesus can supply my needs, maybe uh, last Sunday, Pastor Natalia talked about how Jesus had to manage the expectations of his followers. Um, we were looking there in the 8th chapter at this big question that Jesus poses. Who do people out there say that I am? And the disciples came up with some big names, you know, Moses or Elijah, one of the prophets. No, big, big names. And they must have felt that Jesus would be pleased to hear that this is what people were saying. Uh, Natalia played with the idea if maybe this is what the disciples themselves were thinking, what exactly who is Jesus. But then he puts that finer point on the question and finally asks, but who do you say that I am? And in this moment of, of courageous faith and boldness, Peter steps forward and finally says out loud, what perhaps everyone had been wondering about, thinking about, hoping for. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus indicates that this has come not from people, but from God. And, and the disciples must have been looking at Peter, you know, their de facto leader. Oh, to have his faith, to have his courage. And Jesus starts sharing what, what this means to be known as the Messiah. It's going to involve rejection. And suffering and and dying and all of that before there is any rising to glory and Peter didn't want to hear about that didn't fit anybody's expectations and so he begins to rebuke Jesus surely not this can't happen and and then Jesus and Mark gives us this really telling detail Jesus Mark says looking at his disciples says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. For you're thinking the things not of God, but of men. And as Jesus is looking at his disciples and and scolding Peter, they've got to be feeling, wow, if it can happen to our fearless leader, (laughs) then we better watch our own P's and Q's. 
right? So, this time around, we are told again by Mark that the disciples don't understand what Jesus is talking about when he speaks of rejection and suffering and dying and then rising. They don't understand, but this time they're afraid to ask. And that seems reasonable. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. You know, you just have to love the Bible, right? It's, it's so human and honest. Nobody's trying to make the disciples look good here or saintly or particularly religious or faithful or even, you know, all that smart, if, if we're honest about it. I mean, Jesus has been pretty clear. And they're just not sure what to make of all this talk about suffering and dying before rising again. And Peter had just stepped forward to declare that Jesus, as the Messiah, but, but when, when he tried to push back on what Jesus was telling him this would mean, suffering and, and rejection and dying, he got this public scolding. So this time, Peter stays quiet, and so does everybody else. Nobody says anything. Now, I've been through this passage a, a hundred times. I've, been, I've preached from it more times than I can remember. But this time through, here's what kind of jumps out at me. The disciples did not understand what Jesus was saying and were afraid to ask, but they shouldn't have been. They should not have been afraid to ask. There's no reason to fear asking questions. That's what I'm getting at. Peter was scolded because he rebuked what Jesus was saying, and not because he was asking for some clarification, right? Peter was positive that he knew the way to go. He was positive. And that way did not include, could not include, rejection and suffering and dying, not for the Messiah. Uh, as a kind of aside, I, I, I want to say that I think we have far too many positive Christians running around today. We struggle with the trends in the church, uh, the declining sort of inclination to show up in the community and worship. And I, and I just wonder how much of that is because I'm not positive about anything. And I feel like I'm being told from so many of these communities exactly what I ought to know and believe and how I ought to live it out to take it a step further. I went looking for an example in the Gospels of someone getting judged or condemned for asking honest questions, and I really haven't come up with any. In fact, some of the most profound moments of insight and growth and faith in the Gospels come as the result of asking questions. Nicodemus, under the cover of darkness, this religious elite leader comes to Jesus asking, how can I be born a Nothan? How can I be born from above? The woman at the well asks Jesus, where can I get this living water? And later, can this man possibly be the Messiah? Or John the Baptist, the wilderness prophet asking, are you the one to come or should we expect someone else? I could go on and on with examples from the Gospels of truth 
being revealed through the asking of honest questions. Many times, Jesus engages the questioners with further questions of his own. My point in all of this is to recognize that questioning, even doubting, are not condemned in Scripture. On the contrary, questions come from religious elites like Nicodemus. They come from impoverished beggars. They come from religious adversaries. So they should also come from you. And they should come from me. Back to the bewildered disciples. They'd recently been up on the mountain and experienced the transfiguration of Jesus just short time ago. This powerful, mystical vision of his power and glory. Now, that maybe is along the lines of what we were expecting from a Messiah. This, this vision so bright and full of energy that they were driven to their faces. Glory and supernatural power. We should build some booths up here so we can re- return and maybe, you know, have this experience again. This is glory. So what in the world can Jesus mean about suffering and rejection and death? Where's the glory in that? And finally, as to prove that they could not possibly be any more in the dark about what Jesus is trying to teach them, they come to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, Jesus asked them, what were you arguing about on the way? And I always picture them sort of looking at their shoes at this point, nobody making eye contact. But they were silent, for on the way, they had argued with one another who was the greatest. Can you even imagine? To me, this right here is how we know Jesus is divine, that he doesn't just smack one of the disciples in the back of the head. After all this talk of picking up your cross and following, of the first shall be last and last shall be first, of, 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 of if you serve even the least of these, then you, you serve me. Jesus had just finished telling them along with the entire crowd that if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. And then came the transfiguration, the powerful, mystical vision of glory. And then Jesus leads them back down the mountain and they encounter people in need and he heals a suffering boy. And that's when Jesus tells his disciples yet again what it will mean for him to be the Messiah. That it will involve rejection, suffering, and death before rising to new life. And they didn't get it. Or they didn't want to get it. And they're afraid to ask. So Jesus finally decides it's it's time. You know, it's, it's time for a bit of a children's sermon. It's time to sit down with the disciples and more or less blow their minds. We can picture this. They came to Capernaum and when he was in the house, Jesus asked them, what were you arguing about on the way? They were silent for on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. Jesus sat down and called the twelve and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last and servant of all. And then he took a little child. And he put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, 
Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. Now, children in those times were to be seen and not heard. Uh, Being childlike, in other words, had nothing to do with the disciples' ideas about greatness. It was unrelated. It was entirely contrary to. They had just been discussing with one another who, who among them was the greatest. Jesus was talking about being rejected, about suffering, about dying. It all sounds like failure before rising. It didn't sound like greatness, and they didn't get it. And I'm not sure we always get it either. And they were afraid to ask. They shouldn't have been. One thing we know about children, as Jesus puts a child in their midst, is that kids aren't afraid to ask, right? They'll ask, why? Well, because. Why? Are we almost there yet? I mean, kids are not afraid to ask. Let's take a look. We'll see. So we're just asking a bunch of different kids, if you got to meet God face-to-face, what questions would you ask him? Mm, Why did God make me so good at football? Where would he sleep every night? How were the planets formed? How do you make the clouds? Why do I have hair? Why do we have hair? Is there sharks in heaven? Why is Hippo so fat? Why can't I just play sports all day? What's your mom's name? If he lives with anyone? Why do armpits smell? Why do we have brain freeze when we eat, um, when we drink th- cold things too fast? How much Christmases has you been alive? Why do we have to read so much at school? Why does my family have to be so loud? Why are cheetahs so fast? Why are cheetahs so fast? Why do brothers and sisters fight a lot? What did the world used to look like once there was nothing there? How old is he? How old is God? Why can't we have world peace? If I could see the past when Jesus was on earth. Where did he come from? Why did he name a Jesus Jesus? How long did you live on earth? What was your favorite part of your life? I would ask him if he could remove sin from all the earth. Can you make people nice to each other? Where were you before heaven was made? How was God made? How was Satan created? If I can learn more about him. Why were we made with sin? How is there no beginning or no end to God? Does everyone go to heaven? What is it like in heaven with you? When is Jesus coming back? Why is your heart so big? And I think that's all. Kids are not afraid to ask. We're always trying to move from the darkness to the light. And we're always encouraged to bring our questions. Uh, I know that darkness always gathers around the light. Bono sings in a U2 song our, our band's about to play. If there is a light... We can't always see, and there is a world we can't always be. If there is a dark, now we shouldn't doubt, and there is a light, 
Don't let it go out. So what about you this morning? Are there any questions about God, about faith, about your life that you're not asking? If you could sit down with Jesus in a simple wooden home and a dirt floor, if you could be in his presence, what, what would you yearn to know? What we can know about God is revealed to us in Jesus. This, the Gospels make very clear. So we can know that he chooses us well before we choose him. We can know that to serve him, we can reach out and serve the least of these. We can know that he can take it. Our doubts, our fears... Our questions, our selfishness, our illness, our brokenness, our sinfulness. He can take it. He can take it and die with it. And give us back something better. Something more lasting. Don't be afraid to ask. There is a light you can't always see There is a world you can't always be There is a dark that we shouldn't doubt There is a light, don't let it go out Cause this is a song A song